You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's good, you guys? Hope that you are doing so well this week. We are wrapping up our series, The Gospel of John. This is part six, so uh, that means that there are five episodes before this. That's good math. If you haven't caught any of those, you can find those on previous episodes of the podcast. Would love for you to do that. We've had such a good time walking through this gospel written by the Apostle John. Just an amazing book with so much, and six weeks of content is not even close. We're we're barely even scratching the surface. In fact, we're in in John chapter se- or excuse me, John chapter fifteen this week, and that's six chapters short of the end of the Gospel of John. I mean, there's this whole thing called the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that we're not even getting to, which is the most important part of all of scripture. So there's so much to dig into. So I'd really encourage you go read the gospel of John. This is actually the gospel. If I was to, to tell you where to start reading the Bible, I think the gospel of John is one of the most beautiful places to start. The way that John tells the story, the things that are a part of this, just the foundations that it sets is absolutely amazing. So it's been really fun. And uh, I'm excited to talk about John chapter 15 this week. And we're not going to covered nearly as much scripture as we did last week, but we've got a lot to talk about. So we're going to jump in and we're going to start in John chapter 15, right at the beginning, verse one. This is, this is Jesus speaking. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So Jesus talking to the disciples, talking to to the followers that are listening to him speaks as this, Jesus, me, I am the true vine, and God is the gardener. Jesus, the true vine, God, the gardener. This isn't a random thought or image. In Jewish tradition, the vine was a picture of the nation of Israel. The people found their identity and their belonging in a group of people, that the nation of Israel was the promised nation. They were the vine. We need to stay close to the vine. We need to stay in, in the middle of our nation. We need to be with one another. But Jesus is making it really clear that the Jewish people needed to change that picture in their mind. He had come to change everything. The purposes of God were no longer resting on a nation, but on Jesus and Jesus alone. Their identity was no longer found in a group of people, but in one person. And that person was Jesus. I think some of us need to hear that today. Thousands of years later, whether we like to admit it or not, we often identify ourselves as a group of people. And our identity is often tethered to what type of people we spend time with. We like to think, oh, no, like we left like cliques in junior high and high school and all of those things. But the reality is, is that no matter where we're at in life, we we start to find much of our identity in the type of people 
that we spend time with. And some of those things are, are really good and some things are really bad. Sometimes it's it's a hobby that you do. Sometimes it's maybe something sinful that you partake in. Sometimes it's a group of people that have really radical thoughts about really inappropriate things. And sometimes it's about being a part of a Christian community that follows Jesus. Like we identify ourselves. So like it's it's not always good and it's definitely not always bad. But what Jesus is saying to the disciples is something that I think that we still need to hear today. Your identity is not in a group of people. Your identity is in the person of Jesus. And we need to be reminded of that, that what we need to do is anchor ourselves to Jesus and Jesus alone. Then Jesus says this, God is the gardener. My father is the gardener. I think what we often fail to realize is that us being in control of our own growth will not lead to very good things but we want to be in control so bad. It's hard to let go. It's our human tendency to, to try to hold the pen and, and write the story and, and drive the car, whatever analogy you want to use. But we want to be in control of our own lives. But what we should want is dependence on God. Instead of fighting to hold the pen, instead of fighting to drive the car, we should be fighting our own human flesh and saying, no, I want to be dependent on God because he's going to take care of us like a gardener takes care of the vine. What Jesus is saying is God is the gardener. Jesus is painting this simple picture that we cannot ignore. A vine left to itself will grow, but it will start to grow in on itself without care. It will literally get in its own way. It will literally get in its own way. And that can be said about so many of our lives, that oftentimes the pain, the trauma, all of those things, we are the ones that get in our own way. Obviously, there are people who cause trauma in our lives, and there are circumstances that cause trauma in our lives, and there are things that cause hardship and and trials and tribulations, all of those different things. But what we need to understand is that if we are in control of our own lives and we don't have any dependency on God, we will actually get in our own way. We will start to grow in on ourselves. If we don't submit to the care of God, we're going to end up growing sideways, producing things we definitely don't want to be known for. What what happens when a vine is left to itself is it, it will produce third-rate fruit. It will just be gross and tangled, and it won't be what it needs to be. But if, if, if a vine is taken care of, it will produce the type of fruit that it's intended to produce. And that's the type of people that we want to be. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid growing sideways? How do we avo- avoid getting in our own way? And Jesus tells us in this passage, he says this, remain, remain in me and allow me to remain in you. Remember, Jesus was fully human. He knew that we have a tendency to try and do our own thing. He's telling his disciples, no matter how much you do, no matter how much experience you have, no matter how many promotions you get, no matter how many accolades you receive from the watching world, no matter how much you grow, that will not continue in the same way if you detach yourself from me. So that would be true of us as well. Do not detach yourself from Jesus. We need to be people who are anchored and tethered to him. For us, we have to remember that lone rangering life will never produce better results than a life tethered to Jesus. Let me say that again. Lone rangering life, doing things on our own, will never produce better results. It will produce results, but it will never produce better results than a life tethered, submitted, dependent on 
Jesus. If we remove ourselves from the presence of Christ, we may still experience things that cause growth. There will be experiences, there will be trials, there will be different things. Naturally, we will grow, we will learn, we will do all kinds of things. But it will not be in a direction that gets us closer to the people that we've been created to be. It will not get us closer to being the people that we've been called to be. When we're dependent on Jesus, the growth opportunities can have this beautiful, beautiful Jesus-focused center that allows us to grow into the people that he has created us to be. If we try to detach ourselves from who Jesus is, it may work for a season. Some of us have experienced that. Hey, I'm bailing on my faith. I don't want to be attached to Jesus. Really, we don't usually bail on Jesus. We bail on church. We we bail on community because broken human beings are a part of that. And they cause church hurt and they cause pain and anger and all these different things. And so it's understandable why some of us often detach. But when we detach from community, would we not detach from Jesus? And it might work for a season. We might see growth. We might feel like we're changing, but it'll never work for a lifetime. The even people who find a ton of growth and a ton of success for years, decades, usually come back and say, but it wasn't like it would have been with Jesus. We have our limits. We have our limits. Jesus doesn't. He has no limits. So what happens when we tether our lives to Jesus, when we are submitted to him, is we grow and the potential is un stoppable. Remaining in Jesus is twofold. I think that N.T. Wright speaks to this really succinctly and really clearly. He says this about remaining. He says, we must remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as the Lord. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. Let me stop here. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. We are called to be in community. Believe me, I am all about your personal relationship with Jesus It is so important that you are not dependent on other people for your faith. But community was always a part of the plan. Community was always a part of the plan. So we must remain in community, a community that celebrates him as Lord. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. Wright goes on to say this, we can't go it alone. We we must also, though, remain as people of prayer and worship in our intimate private lives. We must make sure to be in touch, in tune with Jesus, knowing him and being known by him. Jesus has called us both to one another in community and to him. That is the blueprint for remaining. The next point is this, is we should be people who welcome the pruning. Our nature is to avoid this, though. We, we do not want to cut out any part of our lives. We, in fact, usually want to add more things. We're usually talking about how stressed out we are because we're so busy. We're stressed out because there's just so much pressure. And then we're like, can we add some more to that? That's just like humanity is that we're, we're killing ourselves because we keep adding instead of allowing God to prune our lives. On top of that, pruning doesn't just happen to the things that are obviously dead and decaying. Pruning often is done to branches that are fine, but they aren't what they could be. So when we look at our lives and and God is asking us to step away from things or, or to remove certain things or to focus on something else, it's not because it's so obviously dead and decaying and it's it's causing pain. Like obviously there there are times like that, but sometimes it's things that are f- fine, but God knows that there is more to be had in that area of our lives. We have to fight the urge of superficial growth, growing for just growth's sake. We want to produce that good fruit, not third-rate fruit. At my house, 
we have these these beautiful uh, plants in the front of our house that, that were actually put in when we built our house. And so they're on a drip line, and so we really don't have to do that much. My wife is a much better gardener than me. She takes care of things. I do, I do nothing. I do nothing. And uh, we were at camp a lot this summer, and so I, we, our things started to grow with, without a lot of care. And the other day I had to park on the street. Uh, we live on this little pocket park, so I had to walk past a few houses. And I'm walking up to our house. Um, I see, like, all of our plants. And from a distance, I'm like, dang, like, they look so good. They look so good. They are tall. They are green. Like, I see color. Like, oh, man, I was, like, so proud. And then I get closer and closer and closer and realize, oh, man, the parts that are tall are dead. The things that, that are showing a little bit of color here and there, man, it, it's not as as uh, beautiful as I thought it was. We have a rose bush that's like right off our steps. And I was like, oh, look at those roses. And then I look close and the roses are like turning in on themselves and they're strangling each other out. And you can see these things that tried to bloom, but instead died. And so instead of having dozens and dozens of these roses, instead we have like a dozen roses that are very pretty, but man, they, to get there, everything else had to be strangled. In the same way, we want to avoid being people who look good from a distance. We want people to we want to be people who produce good, beautiful, healthy fruit that when people get closer, they see more beauty, not less. When they get closer, it gets better. That they feel more love and more acceptance and more grace and more mercy and and they see the way that God is working and the way that that we have allowed to to set aside good things for great things. That that when people get close to our lives as followers of Jesus, they see health. That it wouldn't be superficial growth that looks really good from a distance. Would we not be Christians who are really, really solid followers of Jesus according to Instagram? But when people meet us in person, we're rude and disrespectful, and impatient. No, we want to be people who only get more beautiful because of Jesus when people get close to us. If we allow God to do what only he can do, we become people that we can only be in him. It's it's also so important, this is so important, for us to remember that there is never a time that the gardener is closer to his creation than when he is intimately combing through the branches, looking tenderly for what needs to go and what needs to stay. There is never a time where God is closer to his creation than when he's pruning the things of our lives, when he's trying so hard to make us into the people that he has called us to be. And our response can be one of two things. We can, we can be people who are angry that God would ever want to take anything away from us. Or we can be people who are so thankful that we serve a God who cares enough to step in and care for his creation that much. He cares so much that he would want to engage with our lives at all is a mystery to us. We are so lucky to have a God who cares intimately for us. John goes on to say this in chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. It says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. There's that remain word again. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just if I have kept, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that, you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. The next point this week is this. It's not a suggestion. 
It's not a suggestion. Oftentimes we can live our lives like the words love one another or really the words of Jesus are wishful thinking. That Jesus is just like, man, I hope if you could possibly maybe love one another, that would be really great. No, it's a command. It's a command. If it's just a suggestion or wishful thinking, we look at people who drive us absolutely insane and be like, I really want to love you, but you're really annoying. I really want to love you, but you have different political beliefs than me. I really want to love you, but you have different religious beliefs than me. I really want to love you, but you hold to this and I don't. Like we, we find every reason not to love one another instead of understanding that it's a command. And it's a command that doesn't come from a, a place of inexperience, but a place that comes from the exact opposite. It comes from a place of experience, from someone who would do everything that love could ever do. When Jesus says love one another, it's because he is going to do everything that love could ever do. He would change human history because of the love that he had for us. So when he asks us, commands us to love one another, would we be people who do that? It's important that we understand that Jesus is not actually telling us to lay our lives down for one another. This verse is often taken out of context and it's just like, hey, you know, go die for your friends. Now, obviously, I am not, I'm not trying to, to uh, minimize the, the sacrifice that people make when they lay down their lives for others. It's obviously a huge testament to, to how much they love their friends, their family, maybe their country. But that's not what this verse is actually saying. What God is trying to highlight, what Jesus is trying to highlight is that he was here to do just that. There is no way that you can love your friends better than to lay down your life for him. And guess what? I'm about to lay down my life for you. He isn't giving us a hypothetical goal for our lives. He is making it clear that what he would do should be all the reason we need to obey the command to love one another because I'm about to lay down my life for you in love. Love one another. Then verses 14 through 15 go on to say this. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Friends. Friends. The audacity of Jesus to see human beings as worthy of friendship. Humanity broke the world. And that brokenness caused him to come to earth to set things right. And that brokenness would hang him on a cross. And yet he calls you and he calls me friend. Friend. When we say that Jesus changed everything, it's not like a cute little phrase that we like to throw out and just nod our heads at. It is a factual statement. Without Jesus, without Jesus, you and I have zero access to God. Zero. No access to God. With, with Jesus and because of Jesus, our access is unlimited. Unlimited limited. We have been granted full permission to approach the throne of God today and always because of the love that Jesus had for us. The least we can do is love one another. Verse 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He, he is making this so clear to the disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Would we understand that, that we don't choose Jesus? He chooses 
us. The choice was his. We are called to love because he first loved us. The reason that we are even given the opportunity to choose to follow Jesus is because he chose us first. Let's not get this twisted. This life isn't about deciding whether or not God is God or whether he is worthy of our love or whether he is worthy of our affection. This life is about recognizing that the creator of the cosmos chose us. He loved us and he marked us as worthy of dying for. And then he extended his hand and asked, do you love me too? I choose you. I love you. Do you love me too? The reason that we call it a personal relationship with Jesus instead of a religion is because it is built on love and loyalty to the one who loved us and was loyal to us in a way that we could never ask or imagine. It's about having the humility to understand who chose who. Submitting not to just unbelievable authority, but unbelievable love. So when the one who loved us unimaginably commands us to love one another, we love one another imperfectly with faults and and broken parts, but we love one another. We become people who are without question, absolutely not Jesus, but people who are becoming a lot more like him. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.